Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. As we're just getting as we're just getting set up here, we have um, a panel that we're going to bring out when I get my notes working. Um, we have a panel that we're going to uh, bring out here uh, this morning as we as we finish up our relationship goals series. So I want to give you a quick recap about where we've been over the last, um, over the last three weeks or so. Uh, so week one, um, I, I got to speak about the fact that our relationship with God is central, that it's out of our relationship with God that everything else flows. And so as we as we let God place us, as we let Him position us, as we understand that what we have is from God, something powerful happens out of that relationship that we have with Him flows all our other relationships. Our week two, we talked about how do we imitate God? How do we walk in love in our dating relationships? How do we imitate God, walk in love in our marriages? How do we imitate God, our walk in love in our friendships? There's something powerful about taking that scripture and applying it to whatever season we're in. And then uh, Rachel preached an amazing message last week about uh, that two are better than one, that the great importance of relationships to build us and encourage us and make a difference in our lives. And we spoke about how that works out practically in our friendships, in our parenting, and in our marriages. So that's where we've been. Uh, but this week, we get the uh, great privilege of finishing with a, um, with a panel. So we're going to invite those people up in just a moment. Uh, Rach is going to tell us about our first panel member. I feel very official here sitting down. Here we go. All right, panel number one. Um, let's invite Jackie up. Jackie, it's, um, Jackie's gonna come. We've known Jackie as Jackie Shrew and Jackie Green now, and she is gonna come and share just from her different experiences as she's only been married for a couple of years. But we've known Jackie for, we were trying to remember last night, is it about nine years? Nine years, and um, we've seen her grow so much in her walk with God and in different areas of relationships. So Jackie is one of our amazing panelists on here tonight. This morning even. <laughs> It's going to be a long panel. You're going to be here till no, joking, joking. Don't exit the door. Lock them. Lock them. No joke. Uh, also, our next, uh, our next panel members are Marty and Carla Fideli, which is awesome. Marty and Carla are amazing people, just, just amazing people. Um, they run the Homestead for Youth uh, organisation and making a massive impact uh, in our city, in young people's lives. And it's been an absolute joy uh, to have you guys part of Elevation over uh, this last season. I've, I've said this to uh, Marty a few times, basically because I like saying my name and it being someone else's as well. No, but... Um, I don't know if it's been uh, previous um, bad experiences that, that, I've, that I've had, but um, sometimes um, I've felt like not-for-profit organisations come to a church and, and they're, they're looking to get the whole time. And, 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 I, and I understand that because we want to support other organisations in our city and, and make a difference and partner with them. But, but these guys are contributors in such, a, in such a powerful way. They are. So... And, 
And, and not only that, but they impact and raise young people and leaders that are contributors as well. And so I want to honor you guys for that. It's a great joy to have you guys with us, which is awesome. Rach is going to tell you and our final lovely, amazing woman is Val. And where is Val? She's coming down. She is a grandma in this house and we love and appreciate Val. She is always looking out for individuals, dropping off meals to people, giving words of encouragement. Val has a lot of life about her and I love your life and your vitality and we just love you, Val. So we are so excited that you're on with us today. Amazing. Well, what, what we're going to do um, is we're, we're just going to ask a bunch of questions to some different people here. They're going to they're going to respond. And um, I'm I, I want to say that this is not necessarily like we we are not perfect and experts. So this is talking about what God's word wants to communicate. Talking about our life experiences. And if you can, uh, we, we believe that God's going to speak through people's lives, that He's going uh, to uh, touch your hearts as well, maybe f- through someone's story or some, you know, part of advice that they found over their course of their life. And then maybe, maybe you'll actually hear uh, what someone says and not just concentrate on how cute Hannah-Lise is. But that's, but, that's, but that's all right. If that's what you take home, go for it. There could be, you know baby boom in this church in nine months' time. The date could be right from, right from now. Anyway, um, so Rachel's got the first question for us. Awesome. Okay, Val, we're going to start with you. We always know how much you love to speak. So <laughs> she's at Life Group. We have to put a timer on Val. But, um, but we love that about you, Val, because you always have pearls of wisdom. But Val, can you share with us how have friendships helped to shape your life and draw you closer to God? I have been blessed with really great friendships all of my life, and I'm really thankful to God for that. The ones that I have enjoyed the most and been most beneficial are the friends who have taught, taught me, encouraged me, trusted me, loved me, and appreciated me while we walk with God together. They have been faithful, open and honest enough to address the wrong thoughts and actions in me and in themselves to grow closer to God. It takes time, commitment, love, courage, vulnerability to have an amazing Christian friendship. Because of God and how he loved us first, how beautiful and blessed I am through this. I pray that God enables me to continue in this special friendships. As I have just lost my best life friend, who was the most influential friend in Jesus and in my life, to help me grow and continue on. I am still learning Oh, no, that's a different one. I'll wait for that one. (laughs) (laughs) So good, Val. Amazing, amazing. Um, Marty and Carla, through your work with Homestead, you often fill the role of uh, spiritual parents for for young people. Um, For you, what does that that look like? And 
I suppose as well, like what advice would you give for, for other people that find themselves in that role or maybe there's people that are like, you know what, I've got a lot to give to, give to other people and, and, you know, we sometimes as a church throw this, you know, spiritual parent uh, label or tag around, but, but like what does it actually mean and what does that look like um, for you guys in your setting? Cool. Um, I suppose for Carla and I, it might be a little bit different for you guys because we have, um, I suppose we have our spiritual children um, living with us, um, so we always have access to them at any time, I suppose. Um, but look, it's, it's all the same though, I think. It's unconditional love um, is probably the biggest thing, but also unconditional love with boundaries. Um, I think if you don't set those healthy boundaries, um, you're going to become an enabler, um, and enabling um, we see the damage of enabling um, all around us. Um, and so I think by having those healthy boundaries in place, um, but still loving unconditionally and still being available for our young people or yeah. older people, whoever you're mentoring or looking after, um, I think is really important. Um, but just it's, it's being a positive voice to, the, um, to these people because they, there's so many voices out there nowadays. I can pick my phone up uh, and a thousand people can speak to me all at once. Um, so how do you determine what's healthy and what's unhealthy um, in that? Um, and so by having, I suppose, good godly Christian people who you turn to, um, but you don't then want to be abused either by being that person they call at 3 a.m. every morning um, because they're struggling with something. Um, so by setting those healthy boundaries in place, um, you protect yourself, um, but you also then empower that person to, to grow and to influence and to be um, a bigger person, I suppose, um, or a more healthily, healthy person. Um, Carla, did you want to add anything to that? Um, my first response to that question was chaos. Sometimes it just looks like chaos. <laughs> um, someone once told me this concept about kingdom chaos, so it just makes your chaos better if you add Jesus to it. <laughs> um, yes. And I think our neighbours would probably testify that that's sometimes what our farm sounds like. Um, but I think too, um, yeah, our role is a bit different because our teenagers come into our home whether they like it or not. <laughs> um, so, and some do come kicking and screaming, not anyone here, but uh, you know, pre <laughs> previously. Um, and it can look like a manifestation for the first 14 days. Um, but I think after that, our biggest thing as spiritual parents is, is keeping that connection while we try to do boundaries and we don't always do it well. I think we're constantly learning, constantly making mistakes, um, constantly being taught by our teenagers, that's a humbling experience. Um, or even taught by your three-year-old or your 10-year-old when they tell you you shouldn't be saying something or doing something that you're doing, that's always humbling. Um, <laughs> and you have to go, oh, that, that's right. Yes, yeah, you'll get back to church. Um, but I think, as, yeah, I think our role is a little bit different and, and perhaps um, other people doing that spiritual role. Um, it is something that I think over the years we've learned has quite a gravity to it and it is something that needs to be done um, with Jesus. Mm, and awesome the more you sort of, and we're definitely not, um, I'm constantly reminded, um, including yesterday, but we won't talk about that, um, <laughs> about how much we need to immerse ourselves in God first and getting his blueprint. Um, and I'm a real task person, so I've got a list of 700 things that need to be done between the hours of. Um, and don't wake me up at three o'clock because I'm not very nice. <laughs> um, but I think just if we don't do it with God, then the, the fruit isn't going to come, or the fruit could be there, but it's still not healthy. 
Um, but I think also something that I say to parents, because um, I do the counselling side of Homestead as well, is so we get a lot of parents who come with a lot of condemnation. Um, and my first thing I always say to parents, and I've got many of my own stories to be able to share to make you all feel better, <laughs> um, is to not come with condemnation that spiritual parenting or biological parenting, we're never going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, and the di big difference between being a healthy spiritual parent and an unhealthy spiritual parent is are you humble and can mm. you learn, can you be taught and are you willing to change? Um, and it's the hardest part and when you think you've got there you realise you haven't because God takes you around the mountain again um, but I think that's something that we de we definitely find and I know for myself if I go to someone and ask them to be my spiritual parent I've got amazing parents but I think everybody needs a mentor mm. um, is it something that I ask and so by asking for it um, I've given them permission to speak into my yeah. life yeah. Um, and correct me and I expect them to tell me to um, pull my head in, <laughs> we say to the teenagers, <laughs> or pull my socks up, I think is the nicer way to say it. Um, and, and I'm wanting that, or like maybe in the moment I'm not actually wanting that correction, I might be a bit offended, but I've asked for it. So it's got to come out of relationship and I've sort of set that up. And I think sometimes we can go wrong in being a spiritual parent in um, giving advice that we haven't asked, that hasn't been asked for us, yeah, or stepping great. into a relationship that we haven't actually been asked for. Um, maybe they actually just wanted you to rescue them and that's not healthy. Um, and so you're trying to spiritual parent, but it's not really working because the boundaries haven't been set. Um, and I think it's a little bit easier for us because our teenagers, they have to learn to love us. <laughs> um, but we have a long, like Marty said, we're with them every day so we can build that connection over time. So then when we do correct them, um, they're not offended every time, just some of the times. Um, and they, they still, hopefully, I think they learn to love us eventually. Um, but yeah. That's awesome, Carla. So good. That was a great answer. Thank you. So, Jackie, we're going to talk about you as a single young adult, as a single person. Um, so, what was one of the greatest challenges that you faced in the area of different relationships, and then how did you overcome them? Um, so, building on boundaries again, I think um, for anyone's life, if you want to know what's most important to them, have a look at where their boundaries are the tightest, because we um, fiercely protect that which we love. Um, and in my journey, it was a matter of, um, you know, recognising and coming to points, going through breaking, um, broken relationships and um, God giving me this revelation that you won't actually have a healthy relationship until you can learn to love yourself. Um, and that was a massive journey for me. So um, it was also recognising that a godly sense of loving oneself looks like an identity that is secure in God, not propped up by temporal things like pride, material things like clothes, social status, or even substances. Um, that was a massive journey for me going through an abusive relationship. And for a time, substances was the only way that I could actually be social or get out in life or, you know, my life became in this dependent cycle of my reliance on something that was so temporal and so disastrous and God surrounded me with incredible mentors. I had Marty and Rach, I had other mentors, but I had to make a choice in my life that I was going to give permission for people to speak into my life and from there I started to recognise that actually the picture of love that I'd grown up with, this broken picture, was not actually love at all. And I started to understand the unconditional love of God that said, you don't have to be a specific way for me to love you. And so my encouragement to young people is that so often young people, when it comes to relationships, they look at 
how can I make myself an adequate candidate for a relationship, whereas that often like falls into external things. And my encouragement would be, you know, switch off Netflix, switch off um, Snapchat and TikTok and all of that, because I wish that I started to um, really get into the word. I'm still learning now, if I'm honest, um, to really understand the word. I went through Bible college and it was an incredible experience, but there was such a deep healing that God was doing in my life um, that now I'm really starting to kind of connect more with the word and what it means. And so um, my idea of love and what I encourage young people to do is get into your word and look at, um, look at Bible verses like 1 Corinthians 13, 4 that says, um, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. It wasn't until I had a season of focusing on serving strengthening my relationship with God above all other relationships, did I learn to love myself because of a fresh understanding of God's love. So my encouragement would be um, that, and I use this analogy, and some of my youth will probably laugh, because I use this analogy of a cake, that um, our lives with God is like the cake. And the cake is the foundation and it has to be the foundation of everything we do because if we live from an understanding of God's love, we won't seek that love elsewhere. Um, and until you get that revelation of God's love, you can't be completely healthy in a relationship because you'll start to seek from people in your life, whether it be friends, whether it even be you know who you're dating, you'll seek that they'll fill that love tank, whereas actually they can't. They're the icing on the cake. And I tell, I tell my husband all the time, you are the best icing on the cake. And then all my, all my, all my friends are the... Um, all my friends are the toppings that go on top of that. So, you know, I've got, I've got some berries here and I've got some, like, fancy sprinkles with glitter and stuff. But, yeah, just remember that that foundation needs to be so set and so secure in God because until your identity is set in Him, you look to other things to define you. Um, and I feel like it is that kind of marinating in God's Word that the more you understand Him, the more you understand yourself. And then that intimacy with, um, you know, your future boyfriend, um, if, you know, future girlfriend, future husband, future wife, you begin to have this intimacy, intimacy level where God is, that, God is that cake and you look to him, you know, to fill up your, your love tank, but then everything else is that overflow and it's something that is a healthy picture, not an unhealthy picture. I just wanted to say also, maybe there are people who, have, who are or have been in abusive relationships to seek help and talk to someone here today or call Lifeline or seek counsel. So don't do it alone if you are in any of those situations. Yeah, absolutely. We're here to help and where it goes beyond our scope of what, what we can do, we're here to refer as well. And so we want to make that, that nice and clear. Um, Martin, Carla, back to you. Um, what skills have you taken from your work life, in inverted commas, um, with teenagers into your parenting? And maybe what were you 
unprepared for. Um, if you're like us, it's like everything. But anyway, what were you unprepared for or surprised by in terms of you know, like your parenting um, versus the work-life sort of situation? Uh, good question. I think um, I'd find it's actually easier parenting teenagers than it is <laughs> our own kids um, <laughs> because it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, I think it's... It is tough. I mean, you guys, most of you are probably parents and you know how tough it is. And we all make mistakes and Carla and I um, are still a work in progress and we still make mistakes. Um, I've got eight teenagers over there that can testify to that. Um, but, and four kids in the kids' room. But um, look, we, I think, um, going back to what we said before, um, I think enabling, um, finding that fine line between enabling and empowering, and it's often a very hard line to find, um, but it's probably one of the most important lines to find, um, and you need to really search for it, um, because if you enable your child, all you're doing is setting them up for failure um, yeah. for when they're an adult, um, and then they'll live a life of you know, pain and suffering all the way through. Um, it can be undone, and it can be fixed, obviously, so don't worry if you have, if, or if you think you've gone down that path. Um, but definitely empowering. Um, you know, we, we, we take our kids, our teenagers, and uh, even the parents that come through the program as well through a Danny Silk program um, from Bethel Church. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's really, really good. Um, and it's all about empowering and, um, and giving choices to our young people. Um, so you're not controlling them, you're giving them control. So you're giving them a boundary of choices that you know are healthy, um, and then they get to choose every step of the way their consequences, I suppose. Um, so I think, and that can be passed, and the reason why we show it to our teenagers is not because we've got some little secret tool that we use behind their backs, um, but it's, it's, a, it's a relationship um, tool for everybody, for classmates, for teachers, for, you know, for anybody and everybody, for husband and wives. Um, it's a relational tool, so giving people choices. So people will start to fight back if they feel they're getting controlled or empowered. Uh, sorry, um, you know, whatever the word is. Um, anyway, um, so by making sure that it's a healthy relationship and you're giving choices to the person you're in relationship with, um, it just frees up the relationship so much and takes away those struggles. So um, Carla's probably got lots more to add to that. <laughs> what are you saying? Um, <laughs> I talk lots. Um, I think the other thing that strikes me, probably with that question that comes to mind, which we've um, probably really even just as a team um, with Angelique and all the other staff and we are lucky at Homestead it's not just us parenting lots of children it's, it, it does actually take a community to raise a child and we do have lots of staff, um, I think something that we would take into our parenting is get a nanny um, because it helps having someone else around <laughs> yeah. um, but that's not always, you know, you can't do that um, but and I forgot where I was going oh I just think that anything that you put into your kids is not lost um, and that's something that, that our hearts are constantly, and we say this quite openly to our teenagers and our kids, your heart, and particularly if you're going to step into this amazing world of spiritual parenting, whatever that might look like, whoever that might be, it's actually really hard and really sacrificial. Um, and I've had to learn to let go, and I'm still struggling to let go of like my comforts and um, what I want. And we, we all sort of have that little bit of that orphan heart where we, you know, we want people to affirm us. Um, and sometimes we can step even 
in with our own kids and I have the cutest kids with chubby faces. So I'm probably the worst enabler out of the two of us because um, they have that say yes to me face. Um, is that whatever you put in, even if you're making mistakes or things aren't going great or you kind of look back as we all do in hindsight, it's a beautiful thing and we wish we had done th things differently, that God comes in and brings, thankfully, that grace and that mercy to where our gap is um, and that, that even just the seeds that you plant for your kids and in a, even in that spiritual role, it might look really messy one day, um, but the, the seeds that you plant always come, that God always water the, waters them and he's faithful and, and we have seen that. Sometimes it has been a bit of rocking back and forth and banging our heads against the wall and going, what are we doing? Nothing's working. Um, but we do kind of hold on to that it's actually not our job, it's God's job and it's not not our kids or our teenagers' role to affirm us or we're not doing it because we need then something back from them. I think especially in a spiritual role, you can't go in with an expectation it's going to be wonderful and, and, and look amazing and you'll get, a, uh, you'll get a special reward in heaven, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it's actually less about you and what you're going to get back and it, it's really about serving. Um, but the little bits that you put in um, have an amazing, you know, they, they do build a harvest later. No, thank you for being real and honest and open and sharing um, great encouragements for us, which is good. We're tricking you up, but back to Jackie now, Val. So we'll move back to Jackie. Um, last week, I did an analogy or an example. We had Charmaine and Wayne. Um, they demonstrated the three-legged race for us, um, and they were a wonderful example of that, of learning to adjust in life. And today, I'm going to ask Jackie, like, can you share with us like, the adjustments from when you've gone from single to engaged to married life? Like, what has been the greatest challenges and adjustments, and the good as well? Um, I would say from kind of like a practical, and people are gonna be surprised at what, what path I take this down, um, because um, a lot of people would know that my husband and I are quite different. Um, so we're very similar in some ways, but in others we are very different. Um, I like to rest in quiet, um, like absolute quiet. Um, and my husband, he likes to tap on everything, um, always. <laughs> Um, so God has a sense of humor because on an emotional level, Chris understands me so well because we are very similar personality-wise in that way. Um, but when, when it comes to social energy um, and even, you know, just personality-wise in terms of I'm shaking my boots right now, whereas Chris would be like, oh, this is like awesome. I'm up here chatting to all you guys. This is amazing. Um, so I'm still journeying through that. But um, from a different aspect that I felt God really put on my heart to share is that a lot of us um, in life, we will transpose earthly relationships on our either current relationship or even our relationship with God. And so we find that in life we might have been wounded by people or we might have had unmet expectations. Um, and even, you know, if you've been through abusive kind of relationships, you kind of get this idea of relationships where you transpose that earthly kind of stuff even onto God sometimes. So I think a massive journey for me, and I think regardless of where you fit along that kind of um, spectrum that I've said, we all in ways um, will struggle with um, transposing those earthly relationships. And so for everyone, I think it's so important um, that you 
you know, don't allow past relationships and those earthly things to set the parameters of trust in your marriage. And so, you know, for you it might look different, but for me, I had to um, go through a lot of prayer. I had to be really honest about some stuff that I'd been through in the past to get true healing, because unless we're truly honest with how things have affected us, God can't really work on our heart. So you need to get people in your life that are, you know, mentors to you. And like Carla was saying and Marty was saying that, you know, um, people that you give permission to speak into your life. And then when they speak into your life, you need to have the, the courage and the humility to accept where you're wrong and actually grow. And so for me, I think that was a thing of recognizing, hey, like I'm, I'm great, I'm, you know, like I've moved forward so far, but then actually going, no, how can I submit my relationship to God? And that starts with me on an individual level. So I did a lot of um, personal healing. I had incredible people come alongside me um, so that I could, you know, I got to this point of um, serving God and God had put me through a season where he was like, don't talk to boys, just don't do it. And I was like, okay. Um, Because God had put on my heart that until you heal, you're not gonna have a healthy relationship. And so it even got to the point when Chris was initially speaking to me and I kind of ghosted him. Um, I kind of Sorry, like, sorry, there's some older people here, oh, including yeah. me, because I found out what that meant from my 14-year-old. What does ghosting, ghosting mean, just to help us um, all out? So it's when you're having, like, really good conversations with someone, and then all of a sudden you just disappear. Or in some ways I was like, I was like, I'm too busy, like, I'm driving uni students here and there, you know, I'm serving the Lord, like, which I, I legitimately was, but I had to sit down and go, God what is the deal with this guy? Like I had to pray about it. And I kid you not, it was on one particular day, I was sitting there and I was like, ah, like God, like speak to me, I need some kind of sign, like, and God doesn't always give me a very clear answer. I wanna be be clear on that. I don't always get a really clear thing dropped in my spirit, but this thing dropped in my spirit that was like, you can talk to this one. And from there, I'm... So good. But yeah, from there, um, from there, I, yeah, we, it's now history. We're here, we're serving, and God has done an incredible work in my life. But yeah, it was that revelation of like, nobody can fix you except yourself in submission to God. So I've kind of gone on for a long time, but I just want to add, I think the hardest part of transitioning from being single to married is submission in the sense that I was very independent um, and very driven in a set vision when I was single. Um, And I'd said to God, okay, give me three more years of sorting out a few more stuff and progressing forward, you know, um, working on myself. But I met Chris and God was like, well, actually, I have a fresh vision for you. And so in my stubbornness of my personality, and if you know me really well, I'm quite set in my ways and can be a bit, you know, things need to be done this way and, you know. Um, God has really worked on my heart in, in the sense of learning to submit to him first and his will over me, not what I thought was, you know, gonna be the will of God in my life, but actually what he has for me. And as our relationship with God being a reflection of, um, you know, our married relationship, the covenant that it talks about in the Bible as well, um, in submitting to God, 
I am learning more and more to submit to my husband and come together and say, hey, let's pray about the direction of our life, not me just going, no, I think it's this, let's do this, because if I admit, I get like that sometimes, but actually, yeah, journeying with God to be like, you are the head, I trust you, and coming alongside my husband and saying, let's do this together, because that's what, that's what marriage is. And it's so much fun when you do it that way. Awesome, Jackie, so good. Love it. So, so final question, say the best for last for you, Val. Um, and so it's a fairly, fairly, fairly personal one, and I want to honour Val for, for, for answering this and um, grew up in a similar situation, so it really speaks to me. But Val, for, you, for yourself, you're, um, you're married, yet your husband is not a Jesus follower, but for you, how have you found uh, your relationship with Christ um, positively impact your marriage? Okay. Um, I'll just give you a bit of a background. I met my husband in Jerusalem on a bus in 1973. And uh, I thought he was pretty good, actually. He he looked, Maxine told me to say this, he he looked really cool. He'd been travelling around the world. Um, He'd been to the Himalayas, Indonesia... Um, Singapore, Malaysia, Australia, New Zealand, Bangladesh and India and he was on his way home to UK but then he met me. He often says to me, I'm not sure about that, whether it was good or not. (laughs) However... Sorry, Val. Um, Didn't you ask him, because he was heading home, you said, join us on our travels? Um, he right? was quite funny, actually, because I was with another friend. We were travelling around Jerusalem. We'd been on a kibbutz for six weeks, and we were going to catch the bus to Jerusalem. And my friend took a long time saying goodbye to her guy, and I was getting a bit titchy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the next, we missed the right bus. And I wasn't happy, but Dave was on that bus, so it must have been meant to be. And uh, I really believe that, you know, that was the right thing for me, and, and God did that the right way. So, but he was sitting in a seat that we thought was ours, because we had the same ticket. And my friend said, go and tell him he's in the wrong seat. And I said, nah, you do that. And she said, no, you. But she went up and she said, excuse me, I think you're in our seat. And he said, well, I've got a ticket. And I said, so have I, but it's got the same number. So he got up nicely and he let us sit in the seat. And as he stood up, I looked at all his bangles and all this really, really good leather gear and everything. And I thought, he's, he's really quite groovy, you know? <laughs> he looks yeah. nice. And now I'll, get a, now I'll get on with the rest of the story. <laughs> no, stay there, stay there. Sorry, Marty. <laughs> um, Dave is a gift from God, and I'm sure that he chose him for me. We've been married for 46 years. Um, (laughs) He's very quiet and doesn't like to talk much, so that is a real challenge for him and me. (laughs) My 
relationship with Jesus has had a very positive impact on my marriage because I can trust God in helping me to break through those challenging times and provide the Holy Spirit to enable me to carry on in the right attitude and forgive me when I don't listen. I know God died for me and for Dave also. I know I'm not perfect and I am being transformed continually and I thank God for that. I once asked God <laughs> to please change Dave. I was really angry and distressed and frustrated because he wasn't getting what I was saying. What I didn't expect was God to say, you need to change Val first. I wasn't happy. <laughs> I honestly believe God is with me as I know I would not be able to cope without his love, grace and forgiveness in my marriage. I also know that I need to be the one to demonstrate God's ways and love. I became, I'll just tell you this bit because I think it's important, okay. Marty. I became a Christian at 12 years of age but then made an adult commitment when I had my first son and he was 10 months old and I was 32 years of age. That's it. That's <laughs> awesome, Val. So good. Come on, can we, um, can we thank all our panellists as they grab a seat? So good. Amazing. Thank you. Um, as we finish up this service. Maybe, Josh, if you can just come and join me quickly.